Welcome to Image Talks Fertility, an image birth podcast where we dive deep into all things fertility, brought to you in partnership with Waterstone Clinic. This episode, we'll be discussing egg freezing with my guest, Georgia. And later in the episode, we're going to have your questions answered by our expert, fertility nurse specialist, Laura Hackett. Family-owned and operated, Waterstone Clinic is a leader in fertility excellence with two decades of reproductive medicine experience. Waterstone Clinic has built a family of five clinics in Dublin, Cork, Kildare, Limerick and Waterford. The clinic uses pioneering fertility science, making even the most advanced fertility services available to patients in Ireland, and they're renowned for their exceptional patient care. Fertility is one of those words that encompasses so much, from IVF, egg freezing and surrogacy, to endometriosis, polycystic ovary syndrome and reduced ovarian reserves. It's medical, it's scientific, but it's also deeply emotional and an often private topic that can be mirrored in mystery and sometimes misunderstood entirely. It contains the highest miracle highs and the lowest heartbreaking lows. It is quite literally what makes us human. My name is Dominique McMullen and I'm Image Media's Editorial Director and mum to Kai, who's two and a half, and Freddie, who is just five months old. In this mini-series, in partnership with Waterstone Clinic, I'll be talking to women whose fertility journeys offer hope and mirror the paths that so many of you are walking. In conjunction, I'll be putting your fertility questions to the experts and hoping to help guide you and provide advice for you and for your family in what can be the most challenging time. Fertility is all about timing, or at least it used to be. Egg freezing is a method, while certainly not a fail-safe one, of buying a little bit more time, if perhaps for whatever reason, now is not the time to have a baby. While egg freezing can be expensive and invasive, it provides a valuable kind of insurance that so many modern women are looking for. Georgia, my guest today, froze her eggs age 30 after being told she had a low chance of conceiving naturally due to endometriosis. Today, she's going to talk to us about her fertility journey, the experiences and the processes involved in freezing her eggs and her friends and family's reaction to her experience along the way. So welcome, Georgia. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm delighted to have you here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just, I, I kind of always wanted to like tell my story, I suppose. So like, well, my close family and friends know it, it didn't feel like something you could just lash up on your Instagram or, you know, something like that. It's a bit difficult to kind of figure out how to say it. So when this opportunity came along, I was like, this is ideal. Awesome. Well, it is, it is, it is, like I said, it's a strange kind of topic that, um, is misunderstood. Um, so if we, if we go back to the beginning, Georgia, you made the decision to freeze your eggs, like I said in the intro there, because you were told you had a low chance of conceiving naturally because of endometriosis. Endometriosis is one of those things that's really misunderstood and often really misdiagnosed. Um, can you tell me about how did you get to the diagnosis even of endometriosis and what was that journey? Yeah, so I suppose a lot of people, their journey is kind of quite long and, you know, that type of thing. But I think for me, it was it was actually not not that long. Like, it was quite quick, generally speaking. Um, like, I'd always had quite painful periods from a very young age. But I suppose, um, like, later on when I got into my teens, they just got worse. And I suppose I ended up fainting from the pain a couple of times. But it was kind of just put down to 
being like heavy periods nothing like major my GP was just like oh we'll try the pill and like that seemed to work for you know five six seven years it was fine there was not nothing really um conspicuous about that and then I decided to change to the IUD the Mirena um and again I had no issues for another five years all fine um but then I got it changed um so I had to get it like after the five years you have to get it changed but um it 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 just didn't like the when I got it changed it just didn't sit well so there was just something weird that kind of went on I was a bit like mm, I don't know about this um and I think it was like it was New Year's Eve 2018 and I actually collapsed in my bathroom by myself um and I didn't really I obviously didn't know what it was I was just like in horrendous pain and the next day I was like oh that was very weird what was that and I kind of didn't think much of it my mum was like insisting I go to the doctor and so I did and I was sent for a pelvic ultrasound and I suppose that's where they were like oh there's maybe a cyst here that maybe burst that's probably what it was because they kind of see some stuff um and like there was nothing really more thought of it from then but then the same thing happened in like two months later and so I was in work after the cyst burst they just they just left it well because it was kind of gone so they could just like see that it was that it was that's what it was um at the time but there's not really much more they could do um after that and um so then like two months later the same kind of I got the same kind of pain again um and my mum was like oh we're, we're not having this so she took me to A&E I went to A&E they originally thought oh maybe it's appendicitis no um and they found it was possibly another cyst um so I got referred to a, a gynecologist again um and is all this time you're are you in pain kind of daily no I wouldn't know I'm not in like pain all the time um I suppose for me like compared to some other people who have end who have endometriosis they're in pain all the time whereas mine was quite it was very random and like very sudden and like really severe um yikes which is sorry that's almost worse you don't know when it's gonna hit yeah exactly like and I was in work and it was a Friday at lunch and I was like sitting there in in the canteen eating my lunch and I was like I, I have to leave I, do, I, I can't sit here and um and what did you think was wrong did you in your gut um I ha- like to be honest endometriosis hadn't even occurred to me like it just wasn't something that I even thought of or anything I kind of was like oh maybe it's another birth cyst um and I kind of had always had like painful periods all this kind of issue so I was just like meh I just thought assumed it was that didn't really think much of it um but when I got referred to the gynecologist um she pretty much said like straight away I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure this is what it is um and we should but the only way to diagnose it is to actually have surgery and for them to go in and look there's no way of diagnosing it um like with scans or anything but they she was pretty certain because like normally it won't really appear on MRIs too much but there was definitely like evidence of stuff on my MRIs um and she went in and it actually turned out that it was too bad for her to operate on she wasn't um a specialist enough in the area to do like how for how bad mine was um like it was like all over like both ovaries it was stretched to my bowel which kind of had led to like further like other kind of stomach issues that I had um so she ended up like she didn't really do anything um for that operation I then got referred to a different specialist um who had I suppose more experience he was actually a 
um, like a gynecological oncology surgeon. So he was more into actually like able to like cut around things that were in there. Um, so I suppose he had more experience and my experience with him was great. But just to be um, clear, there was no there was no cancer diagnosis, obviously. No, so I had no no. There was yeah. he, it was just because he was so experienced in like cutting around things. That's why I was referred to him specifically. Yikes! So I had that second surgery actually in February twenty twenty. So it was right before the pandemic. So I was like TG. I got that, um, and I haven't really had any issues since, which was that was two years ago, um. And I think it's quite traumatic. To be honest, it kind of was in that, like, I was told um, and I had that one surgery and I was thinking, oh, I'll just have to have this one surgery and it'll be fine. Um, And then when she was like, oh, I actually wasn't able to do anything. I was that was that really shocked me as to like how bad it was. Like that hadn't even occurred to me that that was going to be a thing. Um, She was like, oh, I have to refer you to um, my colleague. And I was like, oh, right. Um, but she was also saying, well, since it's so bad and your, your AMH is so low, I would probably recommend you see a fertility specialist. What's your AMH? Just for, for, for everybody. So we're all clear. Cause there will be people listening who won't. And, and, mm-hmm. and actually, honestly, I've learned so much just in the last two episodes. Yeah. So if we, what's AMH stand for? So basically that's like your egg reserve, I suppose. So you're only born, you're born with however many eggs and that's, like your body doesn't like produce more eggs as you age or anything like that once you're born with your set eggs that's your eggs for life um and I suppose some people have a higher or lower egg reserve so I suppose mine was considerably lower for my age I think my AMH was maybe six and I think generally don't quote me on this maybe ask the the nurse later on um whether it's I think it's supposed to be at least 15 Okay. Um. So mine was quite low for my age. I think they said mine was maybe like that of maybe like a forty year old. Okay. So it wasn't ideal. Um. And I suppose that was quite hard to take because I think you know, like my family and friends all know that I'm someone who hundred percent like want children. Like absolutely. Like it's not even a a question. Like, um. And what age are you now, Georgia? So I'm thirty two now. Um, when you were told that you were thirty. Yeah, so I, I was just turned, so I was 29 when I got told this, and so I was turning 30, like, two months later. Um, so I suppose it was, like, a good time, and I'm kind of glad it happened then, rather than, like, in, like, five years' time, when, it, you know, I might not have had the chance to do it. Um, but it was difficult, I suppose, to hear that. Like, I don't think anyone ever wants to hear that, like, oh, your chances of conceiving are quite low. I was like, oh, that, what? Um, but it was just... Yeah, it was definitely hard to take. And I was just a bit like, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, and did she recommend straight away then? Was there, obviously you had to go and have surgery, more surgery. But did she recommend at that point that you go and freeze eggs? Or was that after the second surgery? That- so she actually recommended I do it before I have further surgery. Because there was a risk that I might have to have like an ovary or something removed. Um, because there was quite a large endometrioma I think they call it on one of my ovaries and they were like there is like a risk that they might have to remove it if it gets damaged or gets infected or something like that and so she was like you're better off doing it now and so she referred me to a specialist I went to see them um, and like it was a good experience but at the same time I still hadn't really processed that I might not be able to have kids normally 
um, I kind of was just thinking this was just like an, an insurance policy policy to have and that I could still probably try naturally and just have these in reserve just in case but the specialist was quite straight with me and being like no you probably it's very small chance like very very small like it'd be extremely difficult and that was I suppose very hard to hear because yeah, it's a shock yeah it really was and like I'm glad like I had my mum with me because she took all the notes in all these meetings because I feel like everything went in one ear one ear and out the other yeah especially because I was doing it for medical reasons rather than just going because I wanted to do it um you know that type of thing um so I think it was it was difficult yeah and it's it's the kind of topic that I think so often we stick our heads in the sand about you know and you don't want to hear you know the details like that and even when you do you naturally in a lovely way will fall to well I, I'll be one of the you know 10% that won't have a problem you, you naturally go to that space um so to have somebody be that straight with you and um, is really difficult really difficult and and fertility and all that is so wrapped up in who we are as women and mm-hmm. it's 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 yeah it's um it's not yeah like it was I... it was very difficult for for them to say that but at the same time I am glad that they were like really honest with me and he, like he did say that because you know I think I think it's it's always important for for them to be 100% honest give you the facts and so you can make your own informed decision and I think you know, it kind of did, I suppose, help me, like, I was going to do it regardless, but I think it just helped kind of push me over the line, um, in terms of being like, no, I actually just, I don't have an option, I have to do it. Yeah. Um, Did you know anyone at that point who had frozen their eggs? Like, was there anyone who you're like... No, so I didn't, like, I didn't really know anyone who'd done this, like, my aunt had gone through IVF, but that was obviously a, a kind of a long time ago before um I had it but at the same time we'd never really kind of t- like discussed it or anything um and so I didn't really know anyone who'd gone through it I'd obviously kind of looked up things online and you know read leaflets things like that but I feel like it's had it been like something you'd ever thought about before no not really to be honest like literally had never occurred to me no yeah I feel like it's it's not really something that occurs to people until maybe they get until maybe it's like almost too late until they get to like mid to late 30s and like ideally like I was told like the prime time to freeze your eggs is like literally when you're like 24 and like very few 24 24 year olds are thinking about this I know yeah I actually last week we had um uh Mary McAuliffe who's a, a fertility nurse specialist talking about that exact issue that you know the younger you are the better in terms of freezing your eggs and um that it's the one message she wants to get out to people is that you know even if it's just a flicker of a thought just do it you know mm-hmm. um or even just start the process of getting tested to see whether you need to do it or not because you know obviously not everybody needs to yeah. um but yeah so 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 you start the process like how did you decide to go ahead or you didn't even need to decide you spoke to your mom who's obviously already there she sounds like she was behind you so was it straight in then at that point um so I pre- I went to see the specialist I think it was maybe September and like it was it was a pretty straightforward decision like it wasn't even really like I needed to kind of go and think about it um I was just like yeah it's happening and so I think so I did it in November and then I ended up doing it again in January um so I did why twice 
So I had to do two rounds because you're told that realistically you need minimum 15 eggs to get one viable pregnancy. Okay. Um, and I was told because of my endometriosis and, um, you know, that there, there was like a, an endometrioma on one ovary, they might only be able to access one the other ovary. So there was kind of, they were like, we'll go with like one round, see how we do. And then if we need to do another one, we will. Um, but I suppose for me, the first round I got 13, so I wasn't, or no, I got 11 the first round and I got 13 the next one. Wow. wow. So it was, it was, it was good. Like I wasn't expecting to get that many. Like I originally thought I might only get maybe like five or six okay. per round. So I was, I was pretty pleased with that. Um, that I got that many. Is an endometrium that, that you're saying you had on an ovary, is that a growth? So yeah, so it's like a cyst. Okay. So it's basically just like, because yeah. basically endometriosis, it's basically like the tissue that lines your womb that grows in places it's not meant to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you, so you had a lot of eggs then. And so you did the second yeah, so round, it, I, just, you know, let's just have even more, the more the better, I presume. That's just the way it works. Yeah, so obviously the first round, so like when you're going through the process, they obviously, they do like ultrasounds to kind of measure and, you know, how many follicles you have and like basically follicles are there but they might not necessarily turn into eggs i believe now don't quote me on this i feel like the medical knowledge should be from a from no, a, we from have a viable source well. it's okay it's, yeah and um, experience your story, this is just yeah. like those from, from my memory anyway but that um they check how many follicles you have on each ovary and whether like at what stage they're at in growth in terms of like if they're ready to be harvested um because like you kind of go through that process um of taking the injections every day um and then after when it gets kind of towards the end um you have to do like a trigger shot which is basically like it forces your body to ovulate um which makes the eggs like retrievable um and so i think like it's it was a daunting process to do i suppose alone but at the same time mm. you know i'm still so glad i did it and I, th- I think the thought of it was worse than it actually was. Like, I suppose I'm not someone who's squeamish about needles or anything really. And I honestly didn't find it that bad. I know maybe some people would, but I actually thought it was fine. So you're going um, in, do you collect, how many, how many injections? Is it two a day? So for most people, it's three. So I, had, I only had to do two because I had, was originally on the Depo-Provera shot. Um, to basically calm my my endometriosis down before I had the second surgery. Okay. And that's basically like it suppresses your um your reproductive system in terms it basically puts you in like fake menopause. Wow. Um and, and how did that make you feel? Was not it, great. Yeah, I, I can um, I can imagine as well. So I ended up then being have to put on um like HRT medicine as well. Yeah, so it was there was a lot. So I was on that as well to like counteract the menopause symptoms like it was like I was like having like hot flashes and everything it was no as way. if I was like a 55 year old woman so so or or younger by the way that can yeah. happen to to much younger women so you so that was so you had the first operation and then they put you into a fake menopause for before the second operation yeah so, so I was in successfully yeah so I was in the fake menopause for basically six months and that was basically like to calm all of the endometriosis down and kind of stop the growth and kind of because as the the surgeon had said basically everything was still really like sticky and fresh so it was going to be very difficult to operate on um yeah I know sorry gross yeah 
I know. Very gross. God, fascinating though. And, and so, so sorry, I'm just trying to get the chain of events. So you have the first mm-hmm. operation, you go on to the medication before the second operation. And at that point, start the injections as well, simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So is that Yeah, lot. so it would have been, first operation was May 2019. And then I was on the Depo-Provera shot from pretty much straight after that. Um, and then I had my first round of egg freezing in November. So I would have started that treatment at the start of November. And my retrieval, I was actually looking through all the paperwork um, before this, just to kind of get all my my facts straight <laughs> and the retrieval was on the 20th of November um and then I took a break over Christmas I was like oh, I don't really want to do anything I just I, I need a, a a breather but then I went back in January did another round of egg freezing um and that retrieval was like the 27th of January I think and then I had my operation on like it was maybe like a week later two weeks later Goodness. like right after the the egg freezing so it was it was all kind of pretty thrown together, like quite, you know, in small amount of time. Mm. I hope you then had a nice long break, a, a nice few months where you were looking after yourself. Well, then the pandemic hit, so I couldn't go anywhere or do anything. Ideal, <laughs> ideal in your scenario, probably a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you started to do the injections at home two times a day, and and you. So the the injections, they're they're both they're they're once a day. Um, so I did them at, at night and you just have to do them, I think at the same time every day. So I had two, it's two injections every day at the same time. I didn't have to do them twice a day. I know some people do, but your, just depends. your protocol is going to differ really like varies person to person and on like hormone levels and you know, what you're looking to do, all that kind of thing. So I suppose this is just like my protocol yeah. and what I had. Um, so I only had the two injections, I suppose, which I'm glad about compared to three. Yeah, well, um, two is still lot. sticking. Yeah, like, and one of them is one where you have to actually like mix it up yourself, where it comes in like a little vial, and you have to like transfer like the like saline into the powder, and it it was like a complicated thing. Whereas the other one was just in like a a pre filled pen that it was, you know, like the the insulin pens that diabetics use. It was kind of like one of those. And how long were you doing that for? Um, I'm going to say it was like 10 days. Okay. Don't quote me on that again. Like, I feel like at this point I've somehow kind of erased some of this from my memory. Yeah, I don't blame um, you. But like your monitor, con- like constantly, I I think towards the end in the final week of um retrieval uh, or like before the retrieval, I was in, I'd say every second day getting um like an ultrasound to kind of see how the follicles are growing. Because obviously they need to get them at like the perfect point okay, for yeah. retrieval. So when you start, you're kind of given a vague retrieval date being like, it'll be like somewhere between this day and this day. Because some people are ready for retrieval on say like day 10, 11, 12. Some people it takes up to like 14, 15. So it really depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how long until, so, so, so when you go into the hospital, then you're, are you sedated? Yeah. So for the retrieval, so you're, yeah, you're sedated. So I literally have no memory of any of it whatsoever. Great. Um, and you're just in the morning, gone in the afternoon? Um, so it really depends because obviously they're doing like multiple retrievals. So it depends on what time you get. Okay. Um, so I think both of mine were like at lunchtime, which meant that the trigger shot I had to take, which is 36 hours before I ended up having to do it at like midnight, oh, okay. which isn't ideal, but 
you know, you do what you got to do. Depends your bedtime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, like, I went in and they, you know, you go into a room and you're you're sedated, which is great. I literally have zero memory of anything, like anything. Great. It was to the point where when my mum collected me, it was like, do you know those videos you see of people after they have their wisdom teeth taken out? Yeah. And like the mad conversations, yeah. my mum was like, you were, you were like that. <laughs> is there any scar or anything like that? No, because they literally, they go like in through there. So there's no like cutting or or anything yeah they go they go in they go in vaginally just to yes. be clear yeah yeah and 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 so there's no there's no cutting there's no pain you don't remember anything no and then... like I didn't have any pain afterwards or anything like to be honest for me like the most painful part was when they're putting the cannula in your hand but like that's because I just have don't really bad veins <laughs> so that was just not and, fun and you're gone the same day and then... yeah you're you're gone within like I think you're only in there for maybe two hours it really depends on how people react to this to the sedation like some people obviously take longer than others to come out of it yeah um but like I'd say two three hours max it's amazing there. isn't it modern, yeah modern science yeah um and then how long until you find how many eggs had been retrieved um I'm pretty sure by the time I was leaving they because they um they told me like that day how many I had wow um yeah Wow, they're on the spot. Yep. Incredible. And they told like straight away how many because they they have a lab or something beside them. So they were able to like examine how many were the right size or mature. So. Did you get to see them? Is that a weird question? No. No. <laughs> no. I don't even know if I'd want to see them, to be honest. I don't, you yeah, probably no. wouldn't even see anything. Well, you probably would no, just be like an empty like looking. No, because they're probably like tiny little specks. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fascinating, though. I really, yeah. it's so. Yeah. Are any lost in the process, or is that spoken about? Yeah, so some can be lost. I actually don't think they told me whether, like, when they took how many they took out and then how many survived. I actually don't think they told me. Yeah, um, you kind of wouldn't want to know that. There's something. Quite yeah, I don't think so like either. That. Like, do you yeah, I, I was thinking that. I don't think I'd want to know. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's um because while like it's that. scientific mm-hmm. and medical. It's also part of you, and it's also exactly a yeah. Child. You're also you. You might be mourning something that wasn't even there. So yeah, I, I think you're just better off not knowing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially when it was already a good outcome, I feel like there's no need to kind of dampen that news. No, and and with the good outcome, did they talk to you about success rates or anything like that? Yeah, so they'd said to me that basically, so for every fifteen, you should have fifteen eggs for every one child that you want because obviously I was still at the egg stage rather than the embryo stage so like none of mine are like fertilized with um a partner or anything yeah so but then when it gets to that point it's usually one in four live births for every six thawed embryos so even though I have say 24 eggs when it gets to the point of like fertilizing those I'll most likely lose some in that process yeah so that could go down to maybe like 15 I don't know could be it could be lucky could even be less could be more and then it could go down again from when they're kind of I suppose thawed out and ready to be like transferred so it's still kind of you need to have a lot to the more the better and you are likely to lose some yeah pretty much likely to yeah um and and so I think the most asked question about all of this, and this is the question that my friends would talk about and that we certainly have seen coming in for image as well, is the cost involved. Mm-hmm. So was that like, was that something that was daunting to you or once yeah. you made the decision? Is it like, look, you know, 
we'll figure that out. Um, yeah, I suppose for me, like the cost was obviously daunting because for me, like I was still like I was 30. I was still quite early in my career. I probably I wasn't making like great money. Yeah. I probably couldn't have afforded it. Yeah. Um, but I suppose lucky for me, I had like my parents were really supportive and so they were like willing to support me in this, um, which I'm so grateful for. Um, I know not everyone might have that opportunity. Um, but it's something suppose, that should be, be should be be supported by uh, by the government. I mean, I completely agree. So the government do support, um, I think one round, but it's only for people who have gone through, say, like ovarian cancer or like cervical cancer, something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like endometri- endometriosis is almost the same. It's a medical condition that can dampen your chances, and it's almost the same type of deal. In that, like, this was medically necessary for me to do. It wasn't like. I was doing it mm. just cause. Mm. Um, so I thought that was a bit hard, but I do know there are health insurance companies now who give like a, a one lifetime kind of benefit. But unfortunately for me, they brought that in like right after I went through it. Oh. Um, but there is, you can claim the tax back on it with your med one form. So that's obviously something as well um, to consider. But for me, it was... 3,000 for each round so that was 6,000 and then there's also like tests and stuff before um, and then also I had to pay another I think it was 800 euro this year for a further three years of storage so okay 800 euro for three years of storage yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah and how so, long like, do you think that will you I suppose sorry it's a question that doesn't make any sense but how long do you think you'll have to have them frozen for but you don't know no I've, I mean I've no idea like un, until I need to yeah but at the same time like they do ask you um like should something ever happen to you like are you willing for them to be donated and I was like absolutely um wow. yeah so which I think like that is nice and like even if they can't end up being donated to someone they can be donated to science so they can, you know, people can develop things further with them. And I'm like, absolutely. Like anything to to help people not go through what I went through. Yeah, what a beautiful thing to be able to do. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and have you, have you thought about, later on down the line, have you thought about the conversation that you'll potentially have with a partner, you know, talking about that like yeah like that is a difficult one because like I have thought about it but then at the same time I'm also like when do you bring that up like (laughs) do you know what I mean like you can't bring it up on a first date like that's a bit weird by the way (laughs) yeah but then also you like don't want to get too far into it and then them not know so but like like, is it anything that someone even needs to know like you know what difference does it make that an egg is in one place or another it's still your egg and it's still available I suppose I personally feel like I would I would tell them just to be like I feel like I would be like omitting the truth by not telling them yeah um and especially if they were a partner like surely they would be supportive and if they weren't they clearly weren't but weren't the person for me so that is the exact that's kind of I suppose my general and I feel like when I meet that person I'll I'll know when to tell them yeah at the time yeah absolutely and I I do I it's a funny thing because you know it's it it's still the same thing it's still your egg you know yeah um so yeah amazing I, it, it's a it'll be fascinating we'll have to get back in touch with you <laughs> yeah we can hear um or you can be like our solo mom from last week you know we don't need no man i know <laughs> um and tell me you had a lovely story about um helping a friend who was going through ivf your experience 
Um, yeah, so one of my friends, um, they, she lives in the US and she, I suppose she, her and her husband were having kind of trouble conceiving and she had briefly asked me about the egg freezing like when I got it done and she hadn't really said anything. She was like, oh, I'm thinking about it. Um, and I suppose then it was like last year, she kind of brought it up again um, and she was like, oh, we're actually going through IVF. And I was like, oh, that's like, I can obviously like help you through it, like anything you want to know. Because obviously like, the egg freezing process is basically like the first half of going through IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was asking me like a lot of questions, like about the medication, because it's pretty similar. Um, even though it's in another country, it's basically the same kind of process. And about the scans and like how I got on with the retrieval, any like tips or tricks or anything I had for her. Um, so that was really nice to kind of be able to help her through that. And I suppose like the good news out of that is she actually had her baby a couple of days ago. Uh, a um, couple of days a lovely, ago. baby girl. Yeah, she literally had her a few days ago. Um. And she is the cutest little thing. Like the cheeks off. And I'm like so excited. I'm going to meet them in um, April um. when I fly over to see her. So I'm so excited. That's an Auntie G. Yeah, that's great. Auntie G. Oh, that's a lovely story. Every baby really is a miracle. But I think especially really in these kind of scenarios, it's just, you know, amazing. Yeah, like I'm so excited for them. Like couldn't be more happy. So lovely. And and do you have? I mean, you obviously had advice for your friend in that scenario. But if there's people listening who are thinking about freezing eggs, um, would there be any kind of tips or tricks or any advice that you give them? Would you say to go for it or, um, you know, what what would you say to somebody in your position now? Yeah, so I suppose like obviously there is kind of like the two ends of it. Like there's the people who are told to do it for like medical reasons, like myself, and then there's people who are, you know, maybe just like, oh, I don't know if I want kids yet. I maybe want to wait like later, and maybe I'm further in my career, or you know, they haven't met someone. They're like, oh, but I'm I might like later down the line. I just think if you're even thinking about it, it's worth a visit to your GP just to get you know some initial tests done, and maybe that will put like ease your mind for a little while before you go through with it. But then also it might also kind of push you across the line to be like, oh, maybe I actually do need to go through with this if I want to have kids in the future. So I just think, you know, it's always best to meet with someone, discuss it, discuss your options. Like if you're even thinking about it, just go meet with a specialist and see what they have to say. Mm. Um, but generally speaking, like it was a really good experience I had. Like I don't regret any of it. I personally didn't find it like painful or anything of the sort. Um, like it's really it was, good to know that it's not yeah, painful and like, that, that you weren't the, kind of the most I it. found it was obviously like emotionally difficult to I suppose go through it like yourself but generally speaking like physically I didn't find it too difficult like I was still going to the gym while taking like all of the medications I was still going to the gym like right up until like before the retrie- retrieval mm-hmm. and then I was just told I think to take like a week off just in case um but other than that, like, was I was fine. Like, I was pretty much back to work the next day after God. the retrieval, which was, I was fine. Talk to me about work, actually, because it's an interesting topic. A lot of people have been talking about, about fertility leave, especially recently. Mm-hmm. Do, does your company, without having to name names or anything, does your company have fertility leave or is that something you would have taken? Is that something um, you wish they had? So at the time, um, so I was in a different job than I am now um, at the time, but... It, it it just wasn't something that I suppose I felt comfortable telling telling them that I was doing. Yeah. Um, like it is quite a personal thing. Yeah. And I feel like you know if you were sick or something like that, you didn't you didn't have to say like what was wrong with you. You were just like I'm sick. So, I just don't know if it's 
I know some people would be more comfortable telling their work, but I suppose I just didn't at the time. Um, so I actually just called in sick for when I was getting the retrieval done. Um, you didn't need a doctor's note or anything like that, so you didn't well, need to... It was just, it was a day, yeah. so, you know, I just, I called in sick. And I think that's, because I actually asked the clinic, I was like, what do people do? And she was like, mostly they just call in sick. Like, kind of, like I understand and, and, and you know you're totally right it is such a deeply personal question or topic yeah. and I'd hate I, I also would hate to have to kind of you know bring it up in a workplace because it also brings into question then like oh well are you trying trying to get pregnant and are you yeah to, exactly you know, and all of those repercussions yeah um exactly but they're also you know I also think like fertility leave is something that certainly in in more in in circumstances where you might have to take longer periods of time off work it's something that really makes sense you know and it maybe it's a one-on-one conversation with your manager and no one else has to know anything but um it would be awful to think someone in your position or a similar position just has to call in sick for like two weeks without really being able to properly explain what's going on you know yeah it is like it's definitely a tough one for sure and I think especially when it's I suppose egg freezing as opposed to maybe IVF and I'd like there shouldn't be a difference but I feel like there possibly is because I think some people are like oh but that's a choice same as if you were getting some kind of like maybe plastic surgery you done or something like it's optional do you know if you're having like elective surgery shall we say that's not medically necessary technically even though mine kind of was um I still just like didn't feel super comfortable like even when I was getting the surgery like my manager knew that like what was wrong Mm -hmm. um but no one else did and I just think some of these details it's just need to know basis and yeah you know if you feel comfortable enough telling your manager then you know by all means yeah um and I think it really depends on the workplace because obviously some workplaces are going to be considerably more supportive than others Mm -hmm. um like it really really depends like I suppose mine was great in that like they paid sick leave so I didn't really have to worry about yeah not getting paid um and I suppose it also like on whether you're a trustworthy employee and you kind of don't take sick leave all the time or you know I was I generally didn't really do that so um and all's well that ends well as well exactly yeah exactly yeah yeah um well, I'm so I'm so excited for you to see what happens. I feel like we don't no, want to I mean, in like a it could few be years. it could be a few years. Yeah. It could be a few years. We'll see. We'll see. But it's always nice to have. Um, and as I said, it's it's an insurance policy. Yeah, for and it must be comforting for you. You know, to yeah. know that it's there. Yeah, and and you may never have to use them. It might all you know. Exactly, and you know if all goes well and I don't have to use them I'm more than willing to donate them to science or to someone else so they can use them and um make good use so yeah well Georgia I think that's a good place to leave our conversation for today um but thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me and I really think you know your story and 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 understanding the ins and outs of it and the processes involved and the fact that it isn't terrifying although your journey you know was it was certainly a difficult one and that's because of the endometriosis as well as your choice to freeze your eggs but uh, I think it will help a lot of women today hearing the detail of how that all works and I I really appreciate you sharing that Um, yeah no I was I was happy to share it and I think it is an important message I suppose to get out there in that 
people don't endometriosis this and that kind of flies under the radar and not a lot of people know about it um, and I think it's it's something important for people to learn so I was happy to share my story and hopefully people some people will get some some hope from it um, and know that kind of going through this you're not alone and that egg freezing isn't actually as kind of scary or daunting as you know it may seem on paper or like when you start googling I think sometimes google is not your friend when it comes to things like this talk to an actual human well that is actually the perfect uh, ending because my next guest is Laura Hackett fertility nurse specialist who's going to go through as many of your questions as possible so that's a perfect place to end it thank you so much Georgia So Laura, you are our fertility nurse specialist. Welcome. How are you this morning? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to have you. We've got lots and lots of questions. I think on this topic, actually on egg freezing, more than so many topics, there are so many questions from readers. So I'm going to get straight into it. Um, I think one of the kind of biggest questions and something that people often talk about when egg freezing is what is that ideal age that you should be doing it? Yeah, it's it's always the big question. And I think like with a lot of fertility, it's kind of a bit more complicated. We come from a different angle and then everything clicks and people are like, yes, I have you. It makes sense. Mm. So it's something like, you know, they throw out all these statistics. But I mean, ultimately what egg freezing is, is an insurance policy. Like the dream is you never touch the eggs, <laughs> you know, but yeah. if you're going to undertake an insurance policy, you want to know kind of the level that you're covered for. So let's say if you're 30 to 36 years old, that kind of bracket, which would be the majority of people who would, you know, come to us like looking to explore this option. Uh, you're looking at if you had 10 eggs frozen, like good quality eggs that, that, that uh, froze well, mm-hmm. um, a 40% chance of having a baby. So what does that actually mean if like that's kind of a a, like a shocking statistic for people? Well, I suppose when you're thinking of egg freezing, you should look at at like three different factors. And one is your own fertility. The next is your age for this um, and sort of what your the reasons you're doing it. Mm. And then the final thing is to understand. And this is the most important thing about all areas of fertility, natural, assisted, whatever. It's like the attrition rate. That is something that mightn't be communicated as much as we'd like it. So you know you're in a good clinic when they start explaining to you, you know, where your kind of stats will actually fall and you don't feel like you're being sold something, you're being told. You know, I always kind of feel that that's the right message, particularly for an insurance policy like egg freezing. Mm. so now it is excellent and it works really well and sometimes you do it for medical reasons and we'll say somebody's undergoing chemotherapy whatever and they have their family it's fantastic and it's been done for a long time Mm -hmm. but if you're thinking of doing it to preserve your fertility obviously your aim is never to have to use them and hopefully you know you find yourself in a position in two years time where (laughs) maybe you this becomes an option to have a family naturally yeah So the first thing you do is you assess your fertility and you see, okay, where am I at with my fertility? AMH is this test I see a lot on, we'll say Instagram, where people write to me a lot and they're like, you know, oh, my AMH is only this. Will I ever have a baby? And it's something like even a low AMH does not mean you have a fertility issue at all. 
you could get pregnant the first time you try, every time you try, you know, throughout your 30s or whatever. But what it does mean is it might be harder to get pregnant and it might be wise looking at protecting your fertility. Yeah. Now, a lot of people that come to us will still have a good AMH. Their hormones will be, you know, totally acceptable, normal for their age, all of that. And say they're, I don't know, 32. And they decide, okay, what are my chances here? Now, if you have an AMH of five, that means if we were to stimulate your eggs to grow, we would be expecting around five. It doesn't mean you have five eggs left. (laughs) It means how many would we get? So we around five. So in order to have 10 eggs frozen in that case, you You might need two cycles of egg freezing. However, a lot of the time in those cases, somebody comes and their AMH might be 12. So one cycle has 10 eggs frozen, maybe 12 eggs, and they feel like we're done. Or in other cases where people feel, no, my mom went into menopause early or really struggled to get pregnant or, you know, they'll have a different family history. Mm-hmm. then they might say, I will do two cycles, have 20. And then obviously that success rate from 40% of 10 eggs will jump quite significantly, you know, with 20 eggs frozen, let's say. Now, each age brings a different success rate. And the reason we know that is because when you try spontaneously, like to conceive naturally or with any assisted technique, it's harder and harder to get pregnant, like statistically, as we get older, you know, and it's all in the statistics. I never like to freak people out too much because, you know, you could conceive easily at 40, but you mightn't. And, and the it, thing about statistics is that they are averages that, that they're not, you know, exactly mean that this is your fate. It just means this is the average. You might fall anywhere in that, you know. And it's so important to understand that. And it's something that I think can be hard to get your head around. It's something like, you know, like it could be you, but it it might be harder. Now, I actually use statistics more as like to calm people down, to be like, look, it does take longer. Take Mm -hmm. your time. Like, why don't you just check things out? So my underlying message to all fertility is just get checked out. They'll look at your family history. They'll look at all of these things. If you were over 37 and you froze eggs, if you had the 20 eggs, you have about a 25% chance of having a live baby. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's something like when you're having this conversation, these are the things you need to be asking. Like, what, what do you think statistically is my likelihood of having a baby? Mm. However, what people often find in this scenario is maybe they go in and they're thinking, well, I, I, I kind of want a baby, but I'm delaying myself. I'm trying to buy myself some time here for whatever reason. And then we say, like, what about donor sperm? Or what about starting your own family like Claude did or whatever? Yeah. And, um, and people are like, actually, yeah, what, like, what am I delaying at this point in my life? I'm in a position to start my family and I'd like to do that. Yeah. And sometimes it's having that talk is where you find that maybe like, Maybe I actually don't want to freeze my eggs. Maybe I want to start a family. Maybe, you know, like maybe I want to create embryos and store those for the future. Mm-hmm. Everybody's circumstance is so different. Mm-hmm. But it's that attrition rate, which is that number of like, if you have, you know, 10 embryos, it's about 75% success at each step is what I always tell everyone to make it easy. Yeah. So if you had like 10 and, you, and then eight might pull, 
eight of those eggs, my thought. And then six might fertilize with sperm. And then you might have, you know, say four on day three and maybe two or three embryos on day five. But those embryos for somebody under 35 have a 50-50 chance of resulting in a live born baby. So, so it is, it, it is there, but it's a give and take of statistics. And mm-hmm. if you find out where you're at, it mightn't matter whether you're 30 or 35 or 37. It's about figuring out where you're at with your fertility and then exploring your options from there. So is there a golden bullet, perfect age? No, there isn't. <laughs> Um, and I, you know it's so it's difficult with all this because I think people really want that black and white you know this is the answer but it's not it's such a personal thing and it does just vary so much depending on so many different factors and it's what we keep discovering again and again um and I think there's a lot of scare tactics as well that people talk about you know oh well once you reach age I always hear age 36 age 37 fertility falls off a cliff that's what I always hear people say but it doesn't and it doesn't it just depends on who you are yeah it depends not exactly who you are It, it it depends on so many different factors biologically like statistics are done on a population scale yeah so if you want to know if you you can block all that out and go in to um we'll say your clinic and actually have all the bloods done have the scan done sit Mm -hmm. down talk to them you know it might even just give you you know what i'm going to wait two years you know i'm okay i don't i don't want to undergo it just yet but i know that right now everything looks all right Mm -hmm. of course no test can tell you if you will conceive quickly or slowly you know as in it will be unfortunately factories that we can't explain like you know the egg the sperm how do you get the best one together all the time we don't have control over that naturally or otherwise you know so it is it is kind of a bigger picture there that like that's exactly it don't worry about this falling off the cliff or any of these things it's gets assessed yourself and if it's for just a general fertility journey trying is the best test yeah 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 <laughs> I think that will make so many people feel so much better I, I really think you know it's it's important that people don't get frightened because once they get frightened then the head's in the sand and they just don't do anything which is completely the wrong thing to do um and and it's normal like if people are doing that and this strikes a chord with something they think I'm actually like that is normal but yeah. it's not as scary as you think coming in you know we're pretty nice I think you all seem quite nice. <laughs> I think we're nice. <laughs> and is there anything that you can do, say if you're in a position where you're thinking about freezing your eggs or you're thinking about kind of starting that journey, is there anything that you can do in preparation, like mentally, physically, for yourself? Yeah, I think, I think well, a huge preparation part would be done before you ever come into a clinic because you will have, like, you will have brought yourself to such a strong place that you're like, this is something so valuable to me in my future. And what I'm going to do is actually just take that step and see where we can go with this. Like that, that mentality will carry you through a lot of stress in all areas of your life. It's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to face up to the truth and I'm going to see what's going to happen for me, you know? So like people, you should give themselves that credit before they ever come through our doors that like yeah. they made the call they did it they're doing it for themselves yeah. um 
And I think sometimes it can be made very complicated and like a lot of supplements for fertility can be sold a lot of, uh, and I'm not saying they're a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying there's a place for everything. So it's like, you know, a lot of money can be spent in preparing for fertility, but actually what we do find in a lot of the studies and research and statistics is somebody with like a good balanced diet, you know, that's, you know, of reasonable, it's not perf- perfect bodies or perfect weight or whatever I'm going to do in quotation marks because yeah. a lot of the time things are sold like that. It's like, you know, healthy, good vitamin and mineral intake, good diet, you know, um, and doing good things for yourself, for your mental headspace. You know, it might be exercise, it might be meditation, it might be counseling, it might be whatever. Mm-hmm. All these things really have a positive impact for general you know going into a cycle go there's no perfect thing you don't need to have a perfect diet you don't need to exclude any you know any like meats or vegetables or this or that and all these different diets out there it's just about coming at it yeah like from a sensible point and then looking after exactly looking after yourself in every way that you can that feels right for you yeah yeah and once you're in that place you know I think we all know what that place is for you as an individual Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you you touched on it there but how many eggs then do you need to freeze it depends on the person but you know would you you would ideally for each cycle like to have 10 eggs or yeah so so like that it's you know it's something like you know you're 35 you have 10 eggs it's a 40 percent chance of having a baby yeah a live born baby now it is an insurance policy so the aim is always never to use them but to not have any regrets which is a pretty personal space to be in so so like I would say in my experience the majority of women aim for 20 no matter their age okay unless it's something like you know their AMH is maybe three and and we're getting four eggs per cycle so then 12 for them is this like amazing achievement and they've really pushed themselves to get there whereas somebody with an amh of maybe 20 might get 15 eggs one cycle and i'm done i'm fine i'm happy with that so again it's down to personal choice it's also down to finances um you know I, i think one thing that always strikes me is egg freezing is not as expensive as people think but I, you know, but it's still a financial thing that you must consider if you're going to do it. Oh, to, so, to like, talk to me about that because I do think costs are next to what's the perfect age. Costs is what everybody wants to know. Again, I think people think very black and white about it that it's just this gigantic cost and then a yearly gigantic cost on top of that. So, so talk to me about it. How much realistically um, are we talking? Yeah, so for for your cycle, we'll say you know start to finish your scans, your egg collection. It's Three thousand euro for one. Okay. okay. And then if you were to do two, which, like I said, a lot of people try aim for the kind of higher numbers as as a, a, a more certain um, option. It's five thousand five hundred. Okay. And then to retain them stored for as long as you want, it's twenty five euro a month. So we don't do if people found it hard with a big fee, you know, like for three years, five years, whatever. And, and most people are, are much happier with 25 euro a month mm. to maintain this storage. Mm. Um, and then you would be surprised how many uh, women will call us and be like, yeah, you know, those eggs I froze like two years ago, I've actually met somebody and we're having a baby now. And, you know, I, I don't want them or I'll keep them another year, you know. So it actually gives people such a freedom 
I, I can't even explain that. And when people ask me, should I do it? I'm like, you think it'll take pressure off you meeting somebody? It's a great idea, do you know? Um, yeah, yeah, it does. I'm sure then immediately once you've got once you've got them banked, you can go on a first date and not feel like yeah, but there is that pressure on child. Them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like you can kind of be like, you know that that weird narrative of like you know oh female fertility and it's almost like our responsibility to meet someone and have a baby otherwise it's, you know it's this weird like thing which is technically true but also men want to meet somebody and they want to get married and Absolutely. you want to put you know like you want to put your your most relaxed foot forward to make sure he's right for you and vice versa and all that and and uh, and that's where I suppose a lot of people come back to us they're like you know I thought it was going to be 20 grand so I thought it was going to be way out of my budget yeah. and then you know in terms of pricing it was something that brought me so much like ease and contentment for that period of time and then, you know I've met someone I don't need them essentially and that's our favorite message <laughs> yeah that's really, that's really so full of like it's just a lovely thought that it can take the pressure off women and they can go out and have some fun and relax and exactly move everything in the right direction naturally yeah it's like, and then the other thing is like maybe you meet someone at 35 you have a baby at whatever or you meet someone at 33 let's say baby 35 another baby at 37 you want the third baby it's not happening for you yeah, these right. eggs yeah. are there to be yeah. fertilized you know with your partner so lots of different ways to do it lots of different scenarios but overall as long as you're as the kind of truth rings in that like it's not a guarantee yeah it's an insurance policy and you base it on you and your own like decision whatever it's it's yeah. just a fantastic option for women who you know want to explore something like that for yeah. sure yeah um I think that's a really nice place to leave it actually Laura like a nice positive note to end on um thank you so much for joining us today that was really informative and um honestly it's made me want to go and just talk to all of my friends and everyone I know <laughs> to go and get your eggs present it's not a big deal just go and do it <laughs> so thank you so much uh, and thank you also to Georgia for sharing her story with us today and thank you of course to our sponsors of this episode and all of our episodes Waterstone Clinic Thank you.